when uh, earlier I was talking about the, um, the coat drive and stuff like that, and I mentioned that we got a donation of about eight boxes. Well, I stand corrected. I just found out a few minutes ago um, that we actually got eight boxes plus another 13 on top of that. Can we get a, an amen for that? Yeah, God's good. Um, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. That's cool. I love technology. I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of a computer geek in that stuff. I get, I, uh, everybody laughs at me because I geek out on it. It's like I start getting into this multimedia stuff and forget about it. Uh, so, yeah, 13 boxes on top of eight. It's exciting. God's blessing it. Um, God's doing some awesome things here at Covington Baptist Church, and, and I, I think you all should be excited and, about what's going on here. So, uh, as you know, we are in our new series called The End of Me. Um, and this week, we're, uh, it's week two in a four-week series, and, and I want to start off again with another question, a, a question about, uh, do you ever think about your dreams when you wake up? Like, when you wake up in the morning, do you, do you think about those dreams? Do you? I, I, I have to admit, I'm, I try to figure them out. I, I'm, maybe it's because I have a psychology background, but I try to think about those things. I'm like, huh, that's weird. Why, why, why did I dream about that? I, I dream about weird stuff. Uh, you know, some, and, and what's awesome about dreams is it can be anything. You can dream about anything in the world. You can dream about being on a, on a huge charter boat fishing. You can dream about uh, being a Superman or Supergirl flying through the sky. You can dream about being on some deserted island somewhere. I mean, you can dream about anything. You can dream about, uh, uh, you know, uh, having a mansion with, with uh, Kool-Aid in the water fountains or something. I mean, you can, when you dream, it's, it, it's awesome. And sometimes these dreams, they don't make sense. They're, they're kind of weird. You know, like you can have, you know, dreams like you know, ninja monkeys or something jumping through, and you can have these odd dreams. But I love dreams. I, I really do. I wake up in the morning, and I try to think about, what, huh, what do I dream about? I remember parts. And there's parts of your dreams, too, that, like, you know, you, you wake up, and, and you get woken up some, for some reason. You know, maybe a, uh, you know, a child woke you up or something, or something woke you up. And then, you know, and it was a really good dream. And then you lay back down hoping that that dream would come back. Has anybody ever had that happen where, where you're like, oh, man, that was, I'm so disappointed I woke up from that dream because that was really good. That was a really good dream. You know, uh, you know especially when if you watch a movie like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, you know, you, you, you start dreaming about those things. Like next thing you know, you're, you're next to Frodo climbing up some, something, you know, and, and bad guys are coming at you. Or maybe you're, you watch Star Wars the night before and you dream about being a Jedi. I love that about dreams. When we're young, when we're, when we're young and we're, we're in our teens or 20s, we, we dream about all kinds of stuff. We dream about what we're going to be, what we're going to be in, a, in a, as far as a career, where, where we're going to live. We dream about all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, over the past couple of days, we had a wedding here. We had a wedding rehearsal and a, a wedding here yesterday, and Harold and I were here doing the multimedia, and, and so I'm sitting there watching this wedding go on and all these people, and I was thinking about my wedding, and, and I was thinking about back then when, when, uh, when we were just starting off in our, our marriage, and I was, and, and you know, when we're young, we, when we start this chapter in our lives, we have these dreams. You know, we have these dreams of maybe how many kids we'll have, or maybe a house with a white picket fence, I mean, we have this kind of this, this image of the way our life will be. And as I was watching this, I was reflecting on this message, and I was thinking about this, this young couple who's getting married and the, and the dreams that they have for their future. You know, maybe having some kids and, and you know, getting a house someday and, and some kind of career, whatever it is. And, and so they have this vision of 
of the direction that their life should be or they want. And, they, and that's their dream. And their, their parents, I was thinking about their parents, and their parents had dreams too, you know. Their parents had dreams of someday their kid getting married. You know, their, their child getting married and, and going off and having kids of their own, maybe dreaming about having grandkids someday. And, and they, you know, or maybe they're just dreaming to marry them off so they can move out of the house. You, know, you never know. I mean, the, the parents can have all kinds of different dreams. See, we, we want people to be happy, don't we? We, we want people to have joy and, and happiness in their life. So, you know, yesterday when the wedding happened, you know, everybody's joyous and, and they're laughing and enjoying, and we want people to be happy. You know, we, we tell people, you know, the, the live the dream. Whatever you dream of, go achieve it. I tell my kids that, you know, dream big. Go for it. And we want people to, to, to live out their dreams. You know, we, we tell people, like, you know, don't, don't put on, you know, don't worry. Put on a happy face, you know. Turn that frown upside down. Don't, don't worry about it. You know what? Oh, it'll get better. We tell people that. When, when they go through something and they're in a bad mood or something's happening, we tell them, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. You know, they go to the hospital and they're in an emergency. Don't worry. God has a plan. They'll, you'll be okay. Well, maybe not. I mean, things happen. But we don't want them to be unhappy. See, we don't, we don't want people to mourn. We don't want people to be sad, do, do, we? do we? You know, we don't go around saying things like, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't worry, be sad. We don't do that, do we? Or we, don't, we don't say, you know, hey, turn that happy face upside down. You should be sad. We don't, we don't say those things, do we? We don't say things like, you know, uh, uh, you, know you could choose to be filled with grief. You know, uh, I really hope you have a sorrowful day, a really bad day. I mean, we might say that as somebody we don't like, but we don't, we don't typically say that. We don't, we don't say that to people. You know, I hope, I hope you have a bad day. Bye. We don't, we don't say those because we want people to have a good day. We want people to have joy in their lives. And there's not too many sayings that encourage to be sad. We don't encourage people to be sad. And the reality is in life that dreams are not always the way we planned them. Dreams are, and, and things don't happen the way we choose. You know, we, we have these dreams of, of getting married and having a house someday, but then we end up not getting a house, or we end up not being married. Things happen. Life doesn't always go exactly as planned. You know, waking up from uh, life's dreams aren't always fun. You know, there's a moment, like when you're, when you're dreaming in the morning, and you're thinking about being a Jedi Knight, and then there's a moment where you wake up, and then you're in reality. There's a moment where that dream is no longer there, and, and, and there's that dream of you're in reality now. Now you're, now you're back to the real world. And waking up from life's dreams aren't always fun. You know, they're, they're, they're sad sometimes. They're sad when, when you know, we, we're, we wake up to a job loss and we go to work and we find out we've just been laid off. It, it's sad when, when we have a child, you know, we, we, we're blessed with a child and then that child gets hurt or, or goes into the hospital. So, so life isn't always, and anybody that's been around for a while knows that life isn't always perfect. It's not always the way we dreamed of. Every dream that comes to an end is marked with a loss. Every dream that comes to an end is marked with a loss. See, loss is inevitable. Loss is part of life. It happens. There's an old saying that, that you're either in, in the beginning of a loss or challenge or some sadness, 
or you're in the middle of some sadness, or you're just ending some sadness. There's something in life. There's always, it's just a roller coaster ride. It, you know, we've all lost loved ones. We've all lost things in our lives, or we've had disappointments that have happened. We've all dealt with that in some way. In those moments of life, the question is, how do we deal with it? If it's, if it's something where our dreams are, don't always come true, and we have these things in our lives, and challenges come before us, how do we deal with it? How do we take care of those things? How do we handle situations that come in front of us? It's in these moments, these moments of sorrow, that Jesus has something to do. It's, it's in these moments that Jesus comes, and it's very real. Last week we talked about, about our brokenness and, and, and when Jesus becomes real to us. And it's in these moments of sorrow that Jesus becomes very real. It's in these moments when Jesus comforts the broken heart. He comforts the broken heart. Last week, if you're, uh, I mentioned that if you study the life of Jesus, if you study the, his ministry, you'll find that, that he confronted a lot of common beliefs, a lot of common myths, you know, they, a lot of, uh, of what people were taught. People were taught different things. Remember, the spiritual leaders taught a lot about, uh, about things being on the outside being important, they, to keep up appearances and to obey the laws and the rules of the uh, Jewish culture. And, and, there, and they taught a lot about these external things. And they, and they also taught about it. You have to have your act together to please God. But then Jesus comes along and he says, no, the poor in spirit. He says, you know, I know you've been taught these things, but look, this is the way God really wants you to be. This is different. And he turns these things upside down. He's constantly debunking the myths of the day, the myths about religion, about life, about God. And he came and confronted these false beliefs because and about God and religion and, and people, uh, the, the beliefs that people came to accept. And like I said, he turns it upside down. He confronts it and challenges it. Jesus came along and turned things up, upside down. He, he taught it's about what's on the inside, not the outside. He taught about it's a heart issue. It's about a relationship with God that he wanted. And it's not about these, these other things. It's all about his, your brokenness and going broken before God and saying, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, God. This, I'm sorry that I'm broken. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you and going before him. And so Jesus always did that. He completely turned things upside down. And, and now this series is talking about this. This series, The End of Me, is going to talk about some of these things that Jesus turned, these, these sayings that as you listen to them or you read them on, on the surface, you think, man, what is this? You know, blessed are the poor in spirit? That makes no sense. And he turns it upside down. So that's what this series is about. We're going to take some of these things and we're going we're gonna to explain them a little bit and, and see how Jesus turns them upside down. See, when God sees us broken, that's when he really begins to be real to us. When we're broken before God, we truly start experiencing him. When we're broken before God, he becomes very, very real. So Matthew, our verse today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Last week we were on verse 3, now we're on verse 4. And verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed those who mourn. What? This is one of those verses, those one of those things that just seem so upside down. Because when we when we think of mourning, we think of sadness, don't we? We think of heartbroken. You know, this word in the Greek, when you look at the study, when you look at the word closer, it's not just, you know, a little sadness. I mean, it's just a deep down inside soul breaking 
sadness. It's, it's deep. And we don't have an English word that really describes it the way the, way the Greeks do. And so this mourning is just, just a heartbrokenness. When, when, you, when you lose a loved one and you get on your knees and you're just broken and you're sad, that's what this word means. So how could Jesus be talking about Blessed are those who are completely, utterly heartbroken? That doesn't, that doesn't seem right. It almost seems like he, he's not explaining things right. It almost seems like he doesn't know what he's saying, but he does. It's Jesus. Mourning is not being blessed. It's, it's, being, it's being sad and, and pain and regrets and tears and suffering. That's what we think of in mourning. But like a, it's always the case, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. And he meant it. But how does it work? How, do it, how does it a blessing in the morning? How, how does that happen? How does Jesus, what does Jesus mean by this? Throughout the lives of the disciples, Jesus, who lived out the teaching, uh, the teachings of Jesus that the disciples learned started to become reality in their lives. That's what happened to the disciples. As they, they started off learning from him, and then they started applying what, he was lear- what he, they learned from him, and then the, 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 some of these teachings, like the Sermon on the Mount, became reality for them. But this reality is not always easy. Uh, if you look at the Gospels in Acts 1 through 4, you'll see that, that these, these uh, disciples, they, they listened and learned from Jesus. But then they, they, came, they were spending some time with them. They loved him. They were close to him. And, and this was their teacher, their friend, their mentor, their God. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, you know, I'm not going to be here much longer. Whoa, 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 wait a minute here, Jesus. That's, that can't be true. And so there's some, you know, they were concerned about that. But then Jesus gets arrested and crucified. So now they're heartbroken. They see this crucifixion. They're heartbroken. How could God have this? Because these guys, these guys thought that Jesus would be there for a long time. Remember, he thought that, there, that Jesus would come and conquer and be the, the military leader or be the king of, of Jerusalem. And so they thought this. They thought he might be here forever. And then what happened was after, as time goes, Jesus revealed to them that he wasn't going to be around for a while. And what happens? He gets crucified. Now they're heartbroken. Lord is up there on the cross. And now they feel for the fear for their life because they're all being, you know, hey, you're one of their disciples. And they're running and scattering and denying Jesus. Then Jesus comes back three days later and appears for them for 40 days. And now they're, they're sitting there with 40 days spending time with Jesus. And now they're probably, you know, this is just guess here, but they probably think Jesus is going to be around a while again. Yes, Jesus resurrected. Oh, my Lord, you know, look what happened. And they're so excited that Jesus is back and they touch him, they feel him, they spend time with him, they eat with him. And then all of a sudden Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm going to send somebody else, a helper, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus ascends. So now they're standing around looking at Jesus ascend into heaven again. They lost him again. So that's just the beginning. But then you know what ends up happening? After the Holy Spirit comes, they start the persecution. And they go on for years being persecuted all around all of them but one, became a martyr's death. They were killed and murdered for their faith. See, that's, that's challenging. That their life was not filled with this, this joy, this happy of just, you know, everything comes easy. No, they were faced with challenges and pain, and, and they, did, they, they were faced with these things, but how did they handle it? Mourning happens when these things don't go as well as planned. See, they planned, they, they hoped and planned that Jesus would stay, but it didn't. And, and mourning happens when those things in life 
doesn't happen the way we plan and, and things happen and, and we get hurt and we get sad and it doesn't go directly as we dreamed of. In the space between our, our dreams and expectations and reality, God shows up. And God shows up to show us his love. He shows up to bless us. And that's what Jesus is talking here. I love the way the message reads it. The message Bible says it this way. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one, God, who's, dear, who's most dear to you. It's only when you've, you've lost what's most dear to you. It's only when those dreams and those desires of you, they, and, and only when you lose something do you really, when God comes in and really starts to bless you and really starts to comfort you and say, look, I'm here. You become very real in that time of brokenness. When you lose what you want, you actually gain what you need. When you lose what you want, you actually gain what you need. So often we, we want or expect life. It doesn't always happen. We expect certain things and it doesn't always happen. And we might even have good desires that want to serve God in some way. And we, we might even have this, this desire to be in God's will. But doesn't come to pass, when it doesn't happen, we go into mourning. I'll give you a quick example. When I first finished Bible college, I had a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. And I thought for sure, my dream was, as soon as I got that certificate, that I would be hired on as either an associate pastor or a youth pastor. I already had youth experience, and, and I thought for sure. And that didn't happen. So I ended up going on to seminary. But that didn't happen. You know what happened? I was crushed. Because my dream of becoming a pastor at that time didn't happen. And I, and I went into mourning. I was crushed. I was sad. Even though I was in the will of God, I was like, you know what? I want to serve God with my life. I want to be a preacher. I want to be a teacher of the Word of God. See, that's, that's fine. That's noble. That's good. But God wasn't doing it. And so I went into mourning. I went into sadness. See, sometimes it's, it's even though it's, you know, sometimes we go through these things and it's just crushing and it's, and it's heartbreaking. But, you know, sometimes these things don't come to pass, and it's not that serious. But it's still difficult. It's not like losing a loved one or, or losing a job or losing our health. See, those things aren't minor. Losing our health or a loved one, a child, that's not minor. That's, that's serious. That's very painful. But God can still show up in the midst of these things and give us what we truly need. And that is to completely rely on him. When we go through these times, when we, when we face these challenges and we face this hurt and, these, and our dreams are broken and we're like, oh, I can't believe that I'm, I'm getting divorced. Or I can't believe I just went bankrupt. I can't believe my child is, has cancer. I can't believe these things. And we're broken and we're, we're heart and we're mourning in this deep sadness. And that's when God comes and he says, you know what, I love you. And I'm going to take care of you. I know this is hard. And what it does is that it helps us move toward what we really need. And that is a relationship with Christ. And that's what we, and, and he takes those opportunities and says, you know what? You're going to rely on me. I'm going I'm to use this opportunity to force you and move you toward a complete, utter submission to me. See, the, the enemy, Satan, would love to use these things to distract us, to cause us to weep, and, and uh, to ask why this is happening, and all these distractions. But God will use that to sharpen us, to teach us, to help us rely completely on the Lord. See, when we, when we lose our dreams, 
we gain God's vision. When we lose our dreams, we gain God's vision. When, when you, our ideas of what life should be like doesn't happen the way we dreamed of, it can wreck us. It can totally turn our lives upside down, a separation, a, 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 a sickness, whatever it is. It can turn us upside down. And they sometimes, in this, this space between our dreams and reality, God can show up and give us a new vision on what he would like us to do and how the new direction. See, in my life, uh, when my father passed away, I was in my early, mid-20s. I think I was about 25 or so. I was, not, I was a backslidden Christian. I was studying Hinduism and, and Buddhism and uh, Ayurvedic Hindu, all these different things, New Age philosophies. I was into all kinds of stuff. My dad passed away. I was in the service. The, my mentor today preached a sermon about Jesus, and it was at that moment that I got convicted, and it was about a month or so later that I came to my wife, and I said, uh, we were just married, and I said, I have to go to church. I don't know why, but I got it. And it was at that moment that I realized that God was real. We started going to church, and, and we started looking at different churches. Uh, about a month or two later, I, accept, I rededicated my life to Christ, and Jenny got saved. And the hardship, the hardship of losing my father, and, and, and I can, that can wreck me. And it can wreck us when we lose a loved one. But you know what? God gave me a new vision, and he gave us a new life the moment that we came to Christ. And the moment that my dad passed away, and we started a new path, a new vision in our life. And it was only through that hardship and that, that pain that God came in and started giving us that new vision. And, and said, hey, look, I have something so much better for you. My stepmom told me, she goes, you know what your dad found out? If your dad found out or knew that you became a preacher and you got saved, she, he would die all over again. And he would. He was a man of faith and I, and I didn't know my dad very well and, it, and it, I innocently started tearing up. To think back on that moment, um, that was a turning point in my life. And the same thing goes for us. We have these moments where, where we're broken and we lose our dreams and God gives us a new vision. We lose our desires. We go, wow, this is not what I had signed up for. This is not what I thought. And God turns it and changes us and gives us a new vision, God's vision. We're going to look at a video about an NBA player named Landry Fields. And, uh, and he had a similar situation where, where he had dreams. And then those dreams came crushing down. And look at how God gave him a new vision. Take a look at this. What I took in terms of faith and ran with was nobody's perfect. I'm going to live how I want. I'm gonna try, quote unquote, as hard as I can, and it wasn't very hard. Ultimately, if I mess up, you know, nobody's perfect. God's got me. What more do you want? I have God and I have me. That was that was my that was my gospel. I pretty much took that all the way until the beginning of my NBA career. In New York, if you're doing well basketball, you can do anything you want in town. Probably run around naked if you wanted to. It's like that crazy. They're treating you as if you're your own kind of demigod. <laughs> I had a teammate named Jeremy Lin, and he just kind of took the NBA by storm. You couldn't go to restaurants without being, you know, mugged. We had to go out the back ways through kitchens, and these are like five-star restaurants. And so, that point too, I'm like, oh my goodness, it just took a whole nother like, This is better than being drafted. Like now, I'm drafted, established, and doing well. What else could happen to me? I just got a new contract with Toronto Raptors. Getting that contract was oh, like more than a grand slam for me. At this point, I'm like, man, God's on my side. He's coming. This is it. Like, he, I'm in favor with the Lord. I get to my first training camp, and 
as I'm going up to shoot the ball out of nowhere, my hand just starts curling, kind of just, just like this, it curls like that. Every shot is doing the same thing. When I'm trying to catch the ball, my hand is curling right before I can catch it. When I'm dribbling, my hand starts to just claw up when I'm dribbling. I'm like, well, this is, this is not good because everything was affected by this. So I had the surgery done. I finally get back on the court and working out and I'm noticing it's still doing the same thing. Another few months pass, it's, it's now it's like it's worse. It's just everything about it is just happening all over again. My mind at this time is just kind of going nuts. You weren't just taking away basketball, you were taking me away. It's what I lived for and it's, it was my identity. I, I started thinking and it hit me. I'm like, why would I put all my hope and trust in something that is gonna end anyway? This is kind of sparking that I need to get back into my faith. I need to see what really is really going on here with God. Obviously, it wasn't a proper understanding of kind of biblical grace. I didn't understand that truly following Christ was a turning of sin, a turning of my own will and following him. Now I understand that what I was living by was by cheap grace, not just the saving faith and the, the grace that's truly there. What we'll find in time is that when we're really willing to trust God, when we're completely willing to trust Him, and that God's vision for us and the future is far better than anything we can ever envision. When we completely let go and we say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to let go of my dreams and I'm going to follow your dreams and what you want. See, he was living for himself. He was living in what he called cheap grace. He was just living, you know, oh, God must be blessing me because I got this NBA career. He spent five years in NBA. And that uh, Toronto Raptors, when he went to there, it was a $20 million contract. $20 million. He was living the dream, but it was his dream. And God used that time to really take him out of there and bless him and really give him a new vision. And when we fully engage in that, I am yours 100%. Not 90%, not 50%, 100%. I'm completely yours. I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I am complete 100%, 100% broken and submissive before you. He will start working in your life in a way that you can never imagine. I could not imagine being up here preaching. I could not imagine a life different without Christ. It doesn't even cross my mind to live without God in my life. It doesn't even come through my mind. Because you've got to get to that point where you're completely submissive and broken to Him. And you will see His vision in your life. And when that happens, He will start blessing every single one of you for it. See, it can produce mourning when life takes our dreams away from us. But if we can find a way to trust God's vision, that mourning will turn to joy. That morning will turn to joy. The last thing we want to talk about today is that when, we, when you lose your perfection, you can gain God's grace. When you lose your perfection, you can gain God's grace. Sometimes what causes our, our deep mourning is not just those, our dreams, our external dreams. You know, our dream of being an NBA player, our dream to, um, you know, get married, our dream, all these, all these human dreams that we have. Sometimes our mourning comes from desire uh, uh, to serve God, but our sin gets in the way. Our mourning comes, deep down mourning comes from
from our sins. See, when Jesus is writing the Beatitudes, he's actually talking about a spiritual life. He's not talking about these external things. When he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, he's talking about a, a spiritual life. It's about a relationship with God. And, then, and when we move on to the, second, the next verse, and blessed are those who mourn, he's talking about when we reflect on our sin, and the more relationship we have with God, and the more we read our Bible, the more we're going to recognize that sin, and it's going to hurt us. We're going to be, we're going to be challenged by it. We're going to recognize that, that we need Christ. We're going to start seeing our own sin. And what that happens is that sin starts creeping up and we start feeling sad about it. And we start getting brokenhearted because we see that we haven't honored God in some way. And you become aware of it. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit will do. It will reveal those sins in your life. And so what happens is, is we start mourning over it. And we start getting sad over our sin. King David mourned over his sin when he... Uh, adultery with Bathsheba he uh the uh, prophet came and 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 com- convicted him and showed him what he was doing and, and what did David do he got into mourning he was saddened with grief and that's when he ends up writing in second Samuel he writes into uh the Psalms his grief and how he dealt with that and, and the hurt that he had when he realized the sin how much he sinned against God and doing that we also see it in the parable of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son leaves home and he goes off into the world and squanders his half of the inheritance. And then later on, when he's sitting there, well, I think he was eating at a trough or something, and he's like, you know what, my, the, the pigs and the, the slaves and stuff at my father's house do better than I do. And what is it? He, he recognizes his sin. He's broken. And he recognizes how he didn't honor his father. And that story goes on and he repented and he was mourning and he went back to his father and that's when god comes see mourning is an appropriate response to sin and it's the only response to sin that leaves plenty of room for grace when we recognize our sin and when we recognize that we've sinned against god and we start getting that mourning now there's room for repentance and there's room for god to give us grace and forgive us of our sin as long as we're self-sufficient, we cannot depend on God. I want you to hear that. As long as we're self-sufficient, we cannot depend on God. But when we lose what we want in life, and when our dreams become shattered, and when we are face-to-face with our sin, God can show up right in that space, right at that time, where we most, when we're most weak, and give us the strength that we need. But the only way to do that, the only way God's going to work in that is when we accept Christ. The only way we can have that, when we, if, we, if we are faced with that sin and we're mourning and we recognize that we're sinful and that we have sinned against God, we have to admit to God that we have sinned against Him. We can't just say, okay, I'm a sinner, and, and just say, oh, you know what, I'm a sinner, we're all a sinner, and that's it. That's cheap. That's what they call cheap grace, where, where we just, you know, everybody apologizes for that they do wrong. You know, oh, I'm sorry I offended you. I'm, I'm sorry I, I bumped into you. Th- those, are, those are one part of apologies. But there's a whole other kind of apology, isn't there? There's another kind that's more sincere. There's another kind where I say, you know what, sweetheart, I am sorry that I offended and hurt you when I said these things. That's a little different, isn't it? When, when somebody comes to you and says, you know, I am so sorry that I have offended you in some way, and, and they explain it, that does something different, doesn't it? You don't just blow it off like, oh, okay, that's just an apology. No, that's like, okay, you know what? I can see the repentance. I can see the sincerity in there. And we, we genuinely admit that we're wrong and we explain why. 
And when we repent and we, when we admit to God what it is that we've done wrong, we have to explain that. We have to say, you know what, God? I am so sorry that I lied, cheated, stole, that committed adultery. I've done these things. We have to admit it. We have to be specific. And when we admit those things, there's room for salvation. There's room for God to just come in and the Holy Spirit comes in and touches your heart. See, every one of us needs salvation. Every single one of us has a problem that the Bible calls sin. Every single one of us. See, sin is the refusal uh, uh, to acknowledge God's authority in our life. Everyone does not live a perfect obedience to the Lord. In the book of Romans, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, no one is perfect. See, the result of sin is a spiritual death. When we, because we sinned, we separate ourselves from God. Spiritual death means eternal separation from God. But when we get on our knees and we admit that we've sinned, when we turn toward God, we have room for God's forgiveness. Believe in Jesus Christ as Son of God and receive the gift of forgiveness. And you need to confess your mouth that Jesus is our Savior. When you do that, you're eternally saved forever. The seal is done. You will always be saved in the grace of God and you will have spend eternity in heaven forever. But you have to make that first step. When we're broken and we recognize that we're broken, we need to take that first step. And that is that morning, that admission of sin. In a few minutes, we're going to have an uh, invitation time. And this will be a time for you to do that. This will be a time for you to confess your sin to God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for, for this, this verse. Blessed are those who mourn. Father God, we ask you to watch over each and every one of us and reveal those sins in our lives. Bring them up to the surface so we can present them to you. And we can have that grace. We can have that forgiveness. I know you will forgive us of our sins. I know that because you say it and you love us so much. But we have to have that brokenness before you. So I ask you to be in each and every person's life and have each and every one of us here give us that opportunity to have that mourning over our sin. Give us that opportunity to be blessed by you because we recognize that sin in our lives Father God, I ask you to continue also to work in our lives and, and give us a new vision, a vision for you, a vision from you. Not ours, not our dreams, your dreams. Because we know that you're a God that blesses and a God that loves us so much. And we know that you have a greater plan in our lives. And so we ask you to give us that, that vision. And we know that you will do that because, you know, Scripture tells us that. Like Jan said earlier, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And we know that you have plans for us, Lord, and we have, uh, we, you want to be in our lives, but I know that we have to be broken before you, before you'll work in us. So we ask you to bring us to that point, Lord. Bring us to that point so we can serve you and love you so much. And we just ask you to have the Holy Spirit guide us in our day, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As, we, uh, as Jan comes up to sing, we'll have an opportunity for you to, um, to take that moment. Take that moment right now to think about how God wants the relationship with you. Take that moment.
to see about your brokenness and your sin before him. You can have an opportunity to come up and kneel before the, 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 uh, the stairs. And, and all that is is just a, an act of submission, an act of brokenness. That's what that is. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's just a, uh, it's an act of showing humility. So take that opportunity. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, I'm, I'm fine. Take this time to sit down and just pray. It's up to you. It's between you and God. It's not about anything else. It's not about, you know, being seen or unseen. So, please rise.